Hey Bears fans, welcome once again to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're here to negotiate the ins and mostly outs of the Bears, <laughs> so you don't have to. Uh, today um, we're going to be talking some OTAs and some other prattle. Uh, start us off. Yeah, uh, first of all, just follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore Scat. Love to get listener interaction on Twitter. But Tweet! As Tom just mentioned, mandatory mini camps just were held by the Bears. And there were a few storylines that I actually found interesting out of those mandatory mini camps. None of the stories were particularly positive, <laughs> but they were stories nonetheless, which is something that this Bears offseason has been. As I said, mostly out. Yeah, the, the Bears offseason has. Really lacked interesting storylines once the head coach and GM search ended, but we had some nuggets that we're going to talk about today, and probably the best place to start is Robert Quinn, just uh, unexcused no I don't want to play for you anymore! <laughs> yeah, so, again, mandatory minicamps, and he was not there, <laughs> and Matt Eberflus at least indicated... And, that the absence was unexcused, so <laughs> that seems to suggest that the Bears wanted him there, and Robert Quinn did not want to be there, so obviously that's not a huge surprise, because we've seen some reports throughout the offseason that both parties, the Bears and Robert Quinn, are seeking a trade, and also the Bears are just in a state of rebuild at the moment, and so... Having Robert Quinn on the roster doesn't make a ton of sense, given his age and the fact that he probably only has a couple of years remaining of good production. Agreed. But another thing that I was thinking about a little bit today that I don't really think I had either realized or at least hadn't necessarily connected these dots was also that I think all of the guaranteed money on his contract is done, right? I think so. So at this point, he's basically playing based on... The money he's going to make is just based on the number of games he plays. If he sits out the season or the Bears cut him, he doesn't get any more money on that contract. So I don't necessarily think this is as simple as him saying, I don't want to play for a rebuilding team. I think he probably also wants a new contract. And I think that's probably part of the reason why the Bears have had trouble finding a trade partner for him as well. Because... I'm assuming most teams around the NFL are thinking we're not going to trade a draft pick for Robert Quinn when we also have to sign him to a contract extension. Right. So that, to me, makes it seem like it's probably unlikely that the Bears are going to find a suitable trade for him leading up to the season. And if that doesn't happen, and if Robert Quinn doesn't want to play for the Bears under his current contract, it might just be that they end up cutting him. Well, um, looking at uh, Spotrac, um, he he's a seventeen million dollar cap hit this mm -hmm. year. So, you know, I'm I will continually have problems with players that are getting paid significant sums and refuse to show up. I'm I, we went through this whole thing with uh, Robinson last year, you know. While I realize there was a lot around the whole Robinson thing, if you boil it down, he still got paid $18 million for last year. And the last time, I, I'm pretty sure 
He was the number two paid receiver in the NFL last year. Sounds right. So, he, he but he finished as the 112th <laughs> receiver. So, there, there's, a, there's a problem there, right? I mean, I understand that, you know, maybe he was schemed out uh, by Nagy. You're still on the field. You can still be a factor. You can still work to make sure that you're there uh, to you know uh, in full form. And while I while I agree that you know last year's coaching sucked, and he certainly was not directed to get the ball. He still, I think, could have been a bigger factor than he was. Yeah, I think that it would be ridiculous to suggest that he had nothing to do with his lack of performance. Right. I mean, it all played a part in it, and I think that he shares some blame, and I think the coaching certainly shares some blame, and I think that the front office probably does too because they made a issue out of Allen Robinson's contract when there didn't need to be one. Right. And... At some point, when Allen Robinson is disgruntled, the Bears play some responsibility in that because I think he certainly earned a second contract with the Bears. So the fact Definitely. that he didn't get one didn't make a lot of sense to me. But going back to the salary cap point, and I think it applies to Allen Robinson and Robert Quinn, is that unfortunately the only opinion that matters when it comes to these players' performance is the player. Yep. You and I can say that we think Allen Robinson should have put more of an effort in last year, and I think that has a lot of merit because he was making a lot of money. And right. I'm sure the Bears think that way too, but if he doesn't think that way, nobody can force him <laughs> to show up and put in his best effort because all uh, NFL contract requires you to do to get paid is to show up and to play. And if you're mailing it in and the team doesn't suspend you for con- conduct detrimental to the team, then you're going to get paid regardless <laughs> of if you're giving 100% or 90% or anything. So, Allen Robinson, we don't know at what point last year he stopped giving his full effort, or we don't know for sure that he ever did, I think it seems likely. But we don't know what was going on in his head. The only person that knows how motivated he was last year is him. Right. And we can say the same thing about that with Robert Quinn this year, but it sure seems at the moment that he's either not going to show up or he's going to show up and be disgruntled. Right. You know, and I just, all I'm saying is is that, you know, he's a, he is the largest cap number on the team. Um, you know... Uh, they gave him a lot of money, $30 million guaranteed. Uh, one year he did absolutely nothing, and the other year he you know, had the bonkers record year. So uh, whatever it is, he is still under contract. They are paying him a lot of money to play this year. To me, he should be representing himself professionally because that's what he is. He's a professional. And showing up where he is supposed to. Now, putting all the rest of it aside, that's what his job is. That's what your you have a job. I have a job. We all have a job. And you, you, if you're getting paid for that job, you should be there. Yeah, and he still might be. It might just be that he skipped OTAs because he doesn't want to risk injury if the Bears have told him that they're actively working to trade him. But if the Bears don't trade him, then... 
to me, the fact that he isn't there means that you're probably not going to get a player that's completely invested in the mission of your team. Yeah. So the Bears may know that, and I still think that the most likely scenario is that he doesn't play a snap for the Bears this year. I would agree. if he shows up, or sorry, if he doesn't show up and the Bears cut him, I'm pretty sure they don't owe him any more money. And so that might just be what ends up happening, or they might just be holding onto his contract for now to see if maybe a team has an injury or a holdout to one of their pass rushers leading up to the season, and then maybe a desperate team does throw the Bears a fourth or a third-round pick or whatever it is that they're looking for in terms of trade compensation. Or it might just be that Quinn shows up and actually goes out and plays for the Bears. We don't know how this is going to end yet, but I think the fact that he skipped the mandatory workouts probably means that his trade value is at its lowest possible point at the moment because I'm sure teams around the NFL are looking at this and saying, well, now we know for sure that the Bears are going to have to trade him and that's what everybody wants or they're just going to cut him. So I personally thought Quinn should have been dealt leading up to the draft. It's possible that there was just no interest, but it seems like at this point – I'm more certain than ever that he's not going to be playing for the Bears come week one. Yeah, he. Um, this is the the first year of potential out with him, yeah. according to them. That's what I thought. I thought, yeah. I thought the guaranteed money was all in the first two years. Yeah, and, you know, so, all I, you know, like I said, I, you know, we, we don't have to beat a dead horse, but all I'm saying is, is that uh, he... he sh- to to look like a responsible pro- professional, he should at least he should at least show up. Uh, you know, I understand that veterans do skip OTAs, but mandatory, you're supposed to show up. That that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and I would assume that he either got fined or at least didn't get paid for not being there. And to probably me, fined. To me, I was like, it probably wouldn't be so hard to just show up and say. I'm here, and I'm going to be in the meetings, but I'm not practicing. Right. So. You know, I mean, and I'm sure that happens every year with a lot of veterans. Yeah, right? exactly. Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up and go, yeah, we're going to, you know, put me on the practice field. I think, did I see correctly that he didn't show up either? This year? I mean, yeah, he, I don't think he ever shows up yeah, to any, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so with Quinn, I think he was the only unexcused absence. There were other players that were there and not practicing, which was probably the second negative headline, which was that Kyler Gordon uh, showed up and I think practiced for the first two days and then missed the last three days of practice. Right. And nobody said why. why. Which, if you've been following the Bears for long (laughs) enough, you you know that any time the Bears have a free agent or a draft pick that's missing practice and they're not telling you why it's usually not a good thing (laughs) i mean it it might just be that i i didn't realize that they hadn't agreed to a contract with him yet so maybe it was some sort of a contract dispute that he's holding out for or it could be really i didn't realize that either yeah i guess they haven't signed him or brisker yet but it could also be an injury. We don't know because they didn't tell us. But to me, anytime you hear a player missing practice for mysterious reasons, it brings you back to Tevin Jenkins or <laughs> Kevin White or Gabe Karimi or Chris Williams or Robert Quinn. Any, any, <laughs> any number of just year one busts that the Bears have had 
always seem to start with the player missing practice for mysterious reasons. Yeah, well, um, actually, that does give me some hope, because I, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. I mean, you know, the, the players can demand whatever they want. The salary cap is structured for, for, for rookies, so... You know, I mean, if you're drafted in the second round, you can't say, well, I want more than a guy in the first. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So there's only X amount of dollars that you can get. I, I don't understand why there would ever be a delay on that. Yeah, I mean, I think the last time we saw an actual holdout was Roquan. Yeah. And that was arguing over contract terms. Right. It wasn't and over money. It but was, he was number five overall, yeah. right? Yeah. And, oh, his was, his was the wording. Yeah, yeah it was... Something to do with the language in the contract that allowed the Bears to take back money if he got suspended. Right, right. And so it was kind of out of the ordinary at the time because it used to be that you could pay your draft picks whatever you wanted, and that did cause a lot of holdouts because right. the rookie contracts used to be insane. You remember, I think, it was either, was it Stafford or Matt, Sam Bradford? Both. That, that, Matt Stafford and Sam Bradford both got the big, huge Yeah, bucks. It, and whatever the last one was, I think it was Bradford, and he got $50 million guaranteed as a rookie. Yeah. And rightfully so, the NFL veterans said, this is ridiculous, we're allotting a huge portion of our salary cap to rookies as opposed to veterans. Yeah. And so we want that changed, and it did. Yeah. So it's very rare now that you see a rookie holding out over their contract. So the fact that the Bears haven't reached an agreement with their two top picks is a little interesting. I hope that we get that resolved over the next couple of weeks before actual training camp starts, and then... Once that's done, we'll know if, if Gordon was actually injured or if there was some sort of a contract negotiation happening with him missing practice. It's possible his agent just told him, hey, show up, practice the first two days, and then if you're not signed yet, sit out for the last three. That would seem a little weird to me because I heard that he was still at practice and he was doing conditioning drills. Yeah, well, the, you know what it would make sense on is his injury. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because that's the thing is that is an iffy to me, a player has a legitimate concern there because the wording is, when it comes to a contract, is very iffy as far as that is concerned. You, if you get hurt, uh, you know, before you sign, mm -hmm. because then suddenly the the team under the under the way it works, I guess it would probably be part of the collective bargaining agreement. Is like, you know, hey, uh, you know, you weren't on the, you weren't signed, and you got hurt. That's your problem. Yeah, I don't really know how that would work, actually, and it, it kind of surprised me that those guys were even practicing if right. they don't have a contract, but I, I assume that what would happen is... Yeah, Brisker and Gordon are not signed, yeah, so, so... I assume what would happen is, if you get hurt at a team event, even if you're not under contract, the team still has to pay for your rehab, and I think they would want to, unless you suffer a career-ending injury in training camp, or... In voluntary, or sorry, in mandatory OTAs, which I think is pretty rare. Oh my God, Mike Pennell isn't signed either. Oh wow! Oh no, <laughs> is that a Bears player? <laughs> that was a good one. Is that a? Is he, who is that? <laughs> no, seriously, who is that? He has a defensive tackle. 
for the Bears? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> well, technically, he's not on the Bears because he doesn't have a contract. Oh, okay, well, uh, maybe that's maybe that's the holdup then. You got you got to get Mike right. on the um, right. I, it, it's just one of those things that it might be an overreaction, but just given the Bears' history, and by the way, this isn't just a Ryan Pace thing. This has been a thing with the Bears pretty right. much my entire life. Is yep. that Emery? Well, yeah. Uh, definitely Angelo. Yeah, players show up and they're just... There were several under Angelo. Yeah, players show up and they're just not practicing and then they're hurt. Yeah. So, hopefully that's not the case here. You don't want to overreact to anything until training camp rolls around and then we'll see if Kylo Gordon's out there. But it definitely raises some red flags and just one of those things that Bears fans that have seen this song and dance enough times, it just makes you a little bit... Uh, it, it gives you a little bit of an uneasy feeling, I guess, is this the best way to describe it when you see <laughs> the highest draft pick just not practicing and then Matt Eberflus saying, oh, well, I'm not telling you that. It's like, it, why not? Yeah, he, you know, it, it, in in Flus' defense, he probably is encouraged to not say anything. I'm sure that message is coming down from Ryan Paul. Right, right. So, well, uh, yeah, I mean, um, actually, that... that that lightens it to me um, because uh, I was getting a little concerned that uh, he wasn't out there, but that, that makes sense. And it's like I said, I mean, it, it can't be too long though, before they, before we see him signed uh, because we usually do a very good job of that, you know, Cliff Steiner. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm, I'm sure that that won't last too much longer. I mean, it's typically a, a formality, now. right? You know, that's the thing. So, because like you said, if you maybe picking, it is, maybe it is like you said, it's language. Yeah, it, it has to be, and we'll see if Ryan Poles maybe is trying to put some language in the Bears contracts that maybe historically the Bears haven't had, but the Chiefs had. We, we just don't know. Hopefully it's a non-issue and everything's worked out before training camp because there are not a lot of bright spots on this team. And so <laughs> you don't want to see one of the few bright spots not practicing or not playing games once things start to matter a little bit more than they do now. And speaking of that, the transition to another player saw that not great reviews on Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're of course... Uh, the the two draft picks from last year, uh, Borum and Jenkins, uh, especially Jenkins, uh, because we traded up to uh, get him in the second round, uh, and he was very highly rated coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, the chance to okay, he's going to get to play his spot, right? Uh, we should see some outstanding play, and then the next thing we know, suddenly he's uh, playing with the second team. Now Flus, of course. Uh, says, well, you know, I'm just moving pieces around right now like a chessboard because I want to see where the strengths are of different players. Well, we definitely want to see that because we have seen in the past, um, okay, we drafted you at this spot and that's the spot you're going to play in, and we know that doesn't work either. But to see a guy that there is a large investment in uh, and we really need him to pan out uh, playing you know, making several days uh, uh, practices at that tier two. Running with the twos. Running with the twos is 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 a little worrisome. Yeah. That's the guy that you think should be your building block on the line right yeah. now. 
and you should be able to slot him in at right tackle, and that should be your right tackle for the next 10 years if all of the pre-draft evaluations around him were true. That's right. why you drafted him, was to be a mainstay on the line. So His, his aggressiveness, yeah. uh, his size, his experience, uh, you know, his level of play, all of those things were, were factors. Now, at the same time, though, it's really early on, right? And, you know, they, uh, it, it's consistent amongst coaches for them to say, well, you know, until they put pads on, it's really hard to judge, especially mm-hmm. the line, the lineman, right? But still, uh, you, it does, it, it can't help but be with the state of the line last year and this year, it adds a little bit of, a little, a little bit extra in there. Yeah, and it's just that you would think that with Ryan Poles being an offensive line guy, and with Ian Cunningham being an offensive line guy, and with Tevin Jenkins probably having the best pedigree of anybody on that line right now in yeah. terms of ceiling. Obviously, Cody Whitehair has been around, and we know he's a nice player. But, but, but we know what he is. Yeah, Tevin Jenkins is a second-year player that had very high pre-draft grades and that projected as a long-term starter. The fact that they're not singing his praises or saying really anything positive about him at all and running with the second team is <laughs> a little a little concerning and it, I, a little. I, I just got to thinking like if, if that guy ends up being a, a bust or just another Ryan Pace draft pick that's just a nothing then that's really a bummer like you, yeah. if that's what ends up being the evaluation then I suppose I'd rather them figure that out too early than too late, but it would really stink because then you're just starting from absolute square one on the offensive line. Right. And, you know, uh, in, in that vein, though, um, you were talking about the experience that uh, Poles and Cunningham bring to the game. Maybe that is a benefit that we they do have the talent and evaluation knowledge to recognize that and say, you know what? We don't think he is the guy. Because at the same time, we as Bears fans have all seen a stick with the guy that doesn't work. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, no, it was just this, and we're going to fix this, and he's going to be great. And, and then another thing happened. Oh, no, we're, we're going to take it. And, you know, it just continues on and on and on. Uh, so, you know, I think that would actually bring a. a you know, a, a fresh face to the situation if they can go and recognize it and identify it and say, you know what, we want this guy to be good, but he's just not there. That's right. And they don't have a ton of tape to go off of last year. He only played a few games towards the end of the season and he was recovering from back surgery. So I think that they will find out a lot about Tevin Jenkins during training camp, during the preseason, once they have pads on, like you said, but I was really hoping to hear some more positive things about Me too, him me too. At this point, and... And, it, and it, the line needs it, and, badly. And maybe they're just playing their cards close to their chest, too, but it's not an offensive line that has a lot of promise at the moment, and that you, you would hope that Tevin Jenkins is one of the bright spots... Um, and if their evaluation to this point is that he's not ready to be a starter, then that would just be a real bummer. But the nice thing is that it was a Ryan Pace pick, so if that's truly how they feel, I don't think that they'll 
feel the need to, like you said, force him into a spot that he's not a good fit in. But I really hope that he's uh, a strong performer on the line this year. I I would just be really disappointed if that just turns out to be another wasted high draft pick because there's enough of those on this this team. And that's uh, the reason that obviously Ryan Pace got fired because the roster was full of holes because of poor drafting. So, you know what? Let, so let's let's stick on the line, right? Because we got another guy to talk about and that's uh that's um Braxton Jones. Braxton Jones. Yeah. Um I could was having trouble calling his last name there. Um Braxton Jones, you know, uh he uh by all accounts, um he is looking pretty good and uh you know, the both you and I really liked that draft pick. I mean, simply from the physical size of the guy, right? I, I mean, a big thing for me was just reading that he had 36-inch arms. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Uh, but, you know, if if we have a young guy right there that is truly uh, a player that has the potential to be a starting left tackle, that would be a huge coup. Uh, Not just from the draft aspect, but from the money aspect, it would be enormous. Yeah. If if they found a starting left tackle in the fifth round, then that would be incredible. Incredible. It would also be a huge outlier. Yeah. When you go around the NFL and you look at the elite left tackles, most of them, if not all of them, were first-round picks. Yes. So, yeah, find, just, like quarter, just like quarterback. Yeah, so finding one in the fifth round would be amazing. Um, it's also going to be a huge transition for him because Southern Utah is in the Big Sky Conference. <laughs> so, going from Big Sky to the NFL in year one would be a major jump. Right. But, like you said, Braxton Jones has elite athleticism and he certainly looks the part of uh nfl left tackle so it'll be up to the coaches and up to him to see if he can make that next step maybe more quickly than others would be able to but he was running with the ones during otas so he certainly seems to have done something to impress the coaching staff and ryan poles so it's certainly a name to keep an eye on and if it turns out that they found a great tackle in a small conference in the fifth round, then that would really be a very nice development for this regime, especially in their first draft. Well, and you know, it's like you said, that's an outlier, right? Um, it's It's the exception, not the rule. But just like at quarterback, primarily your quarterbacks are from the first round. Uh, if you add in the second round, it's I think it's about 80 percentile. I did I did the numbers on that a couple of years ago, and it, it really overwhelmingly those two rounds make up the most. But you do have your outliers, you do have your exceptions, and uh, you know uh, it's certainly not uh, beyond the scope of things to think that our you know, uh, our GM, who was, a, who is, as we were just talking about, an offensive lineman, uh, you know, to find, to, to pluck a, uh, 
a, a, an outlier out of that group and you know maybe maybe he snuck somebody now the one thing i'm uh, that i'm more focused on with him is uh his it's like you said that transition right from small school to the nfl um that that huge speed jump that has to happen yeah. there right and and the and the other part is um that aggressiveness you know how 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 much energy or how hostile does he have to be <laughs> you know to, to to play that spot and does he have that yeah and we're we're going to find out i you, you don't have to look very far to find a uh, elite tackle that was drafted in the later rounds. David Bakhtiari was a fourth round pick. That's right. Now he played at Colorado, so that's a power five school. Braxton Jones obviously played at Southern Utah, but it's not impossible. But Colorado isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and but, but it's not impossible to find players. I mean, a guy that played here for years, Charles Leno, seventh round pick. That's right. He, he was seventh. He rounder. wasn't elite, but he was pretty good for a while. I think. In fact, actually, I think he was three picks from being Mister Irrelevant. Yeah, that sounds right. And he started here for many years, so it's not impossible. And like you just mentioned, it, it'll really be a fun name to watch because it is a huge jump in talent. It's a huge jump in speed. It's a huge jump in the need to be focused on the playbook for on an NFL playbook for 50 60 plays a game but it's it's not impossible it would just be a pretty remarkable jump to make in year 1 the thing that might help a little bit more is i think the bears are going to be running the ball a lot so if you have a really athletic tackle it might be a little bit easier to teach them uh, offense that's going to be centered around running the ball versus one that'll be centered around passing the ball, but it would still be a pretty incredible jump regardless. And we don't know if he'll end up being the starter, but obviously he's done something to impress the coaches. So it's a name to watch. And obviously a guy that if he does take that first step and is actually able to be a contributor in, in year one, it would be a nice find for this regime in the draft. Yeah. And I mean, we're back to the part uh, that you and I have discussed about the, uh, the amount of unknowns, but it's still it's a positive thing to focus on. That hey, this this fifth rounder that not many who wasn't on many people's boards. Uh, actually, I've, I have heard though he was on more boards than a lot of people thought. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but uh, you know. Um, uh, is 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 making good and has caught the eye of the coaches enough that they're like, you know what, we want to see what he is capable of at that at that next level. So um, the fact that one of the linemen that they that they took in that last half of the of the draft is is at least showing something, and we're gonna see a lot of these guys rotated in and out. I think one of the last days, or maybe the last day of practice, there was Braxton Jones, Sam Mustafer, Lucas Patrick, uh, the Kramer from Illinois, yep. and then, uh, I can't remember who the, the fifth offensive lineman was, but it was like <laughs> three guys that were drafted on day three. It was Mustafer, who was obviously undrafted, and then Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, who, who we know about. So Doug Kramer. Yeah, Doug Kramer. So, 
it's shaping up to be an offensive line that doesn't have a lot of pedigree in terms of draft position or salary that they're being paid. So that's not typically a very encouraging sign, but the hope is that you find some talent in places you know, that um, weren't looking Doug for. Doug Kramer, though, uh, Illinois fans like that guy. I, I've heard a lot of good things. Sounds like a guy that could maybe just be a good solid offensive lineman. Yeah. I think on an earlier podcast we talked about Roberto Garza, someone like that. Yeah. Just a, a guy that it sounds like could stand in and develop into a very, very strong lineman. Maybe never a pro bowler, certainly not anybody that's going to be elite, but all of kind of the draft projections that I read about him said could develop into a starter. And a, If you find that guy in the sixth round, then that's a good sixth-round pick as a guy that can be a starter for many years. Well, the uh, the huge upside of it is if he is capable of being a center, then you can move Patrick to right guard. I, you know, Sam Mustafer um, is a nice story, um, but I think a lot of us feel like he is not good enough to play, to, to start. At any spot in the NFL, uh, I don't know whether he actually is good enough to play in the NFL. Olin Kruitz thinks he is. He, <laughs> he punched a guy because <laughs> he was going after Sam Mustaver. Um, but that does seem to be the consensus. Yeah, and, and you know maybe he's um, a good a good backup to have on the team. Uh, but I think that uh, you know for the most part. We're going to have four new starting guys on on the line. The only one that right now we can absolutely lay money on is is Cody Whitehair. And, you know, uh, Cody should be at left guard. Um, And I think that is a I think that actually is the position he should have been playing since he we since we drafted him, except we, the last idiots that we had thought, oh, well, he was a great guard at Kansas. Let's make him center. Yeah. <laughs> well, when was the last time he played center? In high school? Oh, well, that fits perfectly. He also last year had some games where he did not play well. So <laughs> hopefully he returns to form a little bit because I think he's been a nice, solid player on the line for many years with the Bears, including a lot of bad teams, but... Last year, there were definitely some moments where he looked overmatched. So, hopefully, he is truly a dependable starter for the next couple years because I've always really liked him. He seems like a really professional presence on that line, plays really hard. Like I said, he's suffered through the John Fox years and the Matt Nagy years. (laughs) So, he's seen a lot of bad football with the Bears and... Anytime you have a guy like that that sticks around for a lot of losing, you like to see them get rewarded with some good teams. And I, I certainly hope that for Cody Whitehair because I, I think he's been on the Bears for, what, six years already? Yeah, I think that's right. The, I, this, this is year seven. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think so. And, you and, know. And, uh, like, and like you said, you got jerked around a lot by Ryan Pace and. Fox and Nagy switching from center to guard back to center. Yeah. And he's he's always been a very professional player. Yeah, presence, this is year seven. Yeah, and he's yeah, and, and he made a Pro Bowl. Okay, Pro Bowl in twenty eighteen. Uh, there were a lot of bears on the Pro Bowl that year. That was the one good year, but <laughs> um seems like a, a, a very dependable guy. So I, I want to 
hope that he's able to slot in at left guard and play there, and that's just a, a position you don't have to worry about. But there were moments last year, and he's 29, so he's been around Actually, a while. And he's about to turn 30. Yeah, so. 29 in 351 days. Okay, so it's a position that you can play as you age, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, he he should still be rocking for an, a few more years. If he wants to. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, and like you said, he has he's endured a lot. I'm actually hoping he's one of the veterans that is looking at this and, uh, you know, taking it in stride and saying, you know what, this is, this is my opportunity for me to step up as a leader uh, on this line and say, you know what, guys, I'm sick of playing. Uh, I'm sick of sick of playing peewee football. Let's let's play like professionals. Let's play how we can. It, and maybe he's the glue that sticks them all together. Well, and when you are trying to develop a lot of young offensive linemen, you want a couple of veterans in there. And yeah, he's the only one other than Patrick that has been. Well, he, Cody Whitehair is the only one that's been here. Mm-hmm. Patrick's a veteran, not a Bears veteran, but. You need guys in there that can teach these kids how to be professional players because talk to any player that played at Alabama, which is the closest college football program to an NFL team, right? and all of them will say that the jump from big-time college football to the NFL is a much more significant <laughs> jump than I think a lot of people think it is. They all will talk about just the difference in preparation and amount of work it is to play at the NFL compared to college. So <laughs> you, you need veteran presence on that line, especially when you've got a room full of young guys. And so Cody Whitehair, I think, brings that. Obviously, that's why the, they signed Lucas Patrick. The Bears well. used to play the college all-star team. <laughs> <laughs> there was do? a there was a team that they would put together of like all the best college uh, college uh, players. And they would do some exhibitions against uh, NFL teams. And Chicago was one of the ones that they usually played. And Chicago would just pound them. Well, yeah. I mean, anytime you get one of these really bad NFL teams, like last year, everyone's like, well, could Alabama beat the Texans? And every NFL player that played for Alabama is like, no. Like, <laughs> no. Not, not even close. Every, every NFL team ever would beat every college team by 50 points like, easily it, it's just a different game it's 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 your job at that level and I know it kind of is your job at college too but the expectation at the NFL level in terms of how much you need to prepare is just much much higher well, one time college. I read about this too um there uh, each year there's like 3,000 players available to you know for the draft uh to, you know to to make the leap up to the NFL I mean, the numbers are are huge at the amount. Of, no, it's way more than that. Uh, my numbers are way out there. Uh, fans, I'll have to check that number out for well, you again. I, but, I, but, I mean, there's this giant pool yeah. of players that are available to go to the NFL. And, you know, the NFL total is like 500 players. Well, I always think about when they used to play four preseason games that awful fourth preseason game every year when you know every player out there is going to get cut. And you, you just think about all those guys that are out there for 32 NFL teams, not almost none of whom end up making the roster. And all of those guys are the best player from their town or in some cases from their college program. They're really, really good football players that don't have a prayer at playing in the NFL. It's just a different level of competition. Yeah, um, last year, I remember, um, we had that uh, receiver 
um, Adams. I forget what his first name is. Oh, yeah. Is. The guy, so, yeah. So he, he had been on the practice squad. I'm pretty Rodney sure Adams, that was right? Rodney Adams. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was his third year on the, on the practice squad. And he finally made it. And he made the roster, and then they immediately cut him. Yeah, didn't he have? Didn't he actually get in a game? And didn't he have some horrible drop though? Uh, I uh, I think you're right. Or was that in the preseason? I, I think that was in the might have been in the preseason. Well, or, or like the number of times that the Bears signed, but that did happen right. Yeah, at the or like the Bears signed some like superstar from Canadian football <laughs> or from the Arena League, <laughs> and everyone gets all excited. They're like, "This is the best player from the." There Canadian. was a defensive back yeah, last year. Yeah, Robertson or Robertson, and they show up to training camp. And they just suck. I mean, like the NFL is, is there is so much talent in the he, NFL. He was like defensive back of the year or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> um, uh, the last, probably the, the last negative headline, and this is just a small thing, but it made me laugh. Is you, you can't get through even mandatory. OTAs without a Bears player looking dumb on social media. <laughs> so Byron Pringle. <laughs> so he, he gets gets arrested in the off season, and right. we don't know if he's guilty, innocent, or anywhere in between. So I'm not going to comment on that. But he he shows up to training camp several weeks after he gets arrested, and of course he gets questions about it, and he kind of gets through the interview and doesn't really say much about it and then gets on social media and he tweets something about i'm not here to answer your clown questions or something <laughs> like that like come on man like if you is it byron pringle is probably if you think about it the biggest free agent signing that the bears made this offseason. arguably yes and so before you show up to your new team you get arrested and if he doesn't want to talk about it, it's certainly his right, and I don't know where that stands in the legal process. But I think I think probably part of that, too, was the Bears saying, you know, d- don't address it. But all, all you have to say is, look, it's going through the process on the advice of my lawyer. I can't answer any questions about it. I'm happy to talk about football. Right. But instead, you, you sound unprepared in your interview, and then <laughs> you're, you're mouthing off about it on social media. Like, it... it that wouldn't happen in good NFL organizations. And it's it's not really that big of a deal. I don't think the Bears should cut him or anything, but it's just it, it makes them look dumb. And I kind of hoped that when they cleaned everybody out and brought in a new regime, that maybe they would not look dumb so often. Yeah, I I mean I watched I watched the interview with him, and I I don't feel like um, I felt like he was mostly pretty respectful. And pretty positive throughout the interview, he he was fairly direct in in saying, you know, look, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about what happened, which is fine. And you know, um, so one of the guys, the the reporters were probably beating on it a little much. I mean, when you look at it, the guy got arrested for doing burnouts. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that's pretty sad if you ask me. I mean. It, I've seen a I've seen a whole lot worse just on the streets of Minneapolis. Yeah. Well, the issue was I think that he had his kid in his car, right? Right, um, and you know it, it was it was dumb, right? Yeah. He he he's a young guy. He obviously had a super hot car, and he wanted to show it off. Millions of millions of people out there do that kind of crap. It was dumb, yeah. but. Um, you know, at the same time, I didn't feel like 
the 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 media really needed to to beat on about it. I mean, it was it was a stupid thing to do, but it wasn't the end of the world either. I mean, it's one thing when the player does something like, "Oh yeah, he got arrested for domestic assault last week against his wife." You know, okay, that's that's a serious yeah. issue, right? But uh, yeah, he, he you definitely got to remember you're playing at with the big boys. You, you probably after you just did something wrong should maybe tone hushed tones, right? Well, uh, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with anything that he actually said. It's just why do you tweet about it? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, just just leave it alone. It, it, you know, you don't need to comment on it. Just just. Wait until we forget about it. Yeah, exactly. To your point, it didn't seem like a very serious offense. I'm sure that he'll end up getting a fine or have to do some community service or something. And by week one or two, nobody will even remember it. But like I said, it it it, it was just something where it just once again seems like the Bears just don't have complete control of the situation. Right. And I'm sure all all you had to do is sit down with Byron Pringle and say, hey, this is the Chicago media. We have more people covering this team than almost any other team in the country. You're going to get questions about it. Just sit there. You can say whatever you want. If you don't want to say anything at all, here's what you tell them. And that should just be the end of it. Yeah. So I, I don't know why this kind of thing just seems to be an issue with the bears <laughs> over multiple regimes but it, it just always seems like they just start kind of one step behind when dealing with the media so whatever it, it's not a huge deal but i was just like of course they couldn't even get through the first full team activity <laughs> without some player making them look dumb on social media yeah uh that does seem to happen an awful lot uh fortunately uh, it, it, we're not the only team that uh that that has problems with that. Certainly, the Vikings have had some problems yeah. with that. I, I, but but yeah, you 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 would like it if they could just you know just just shut your mouth for right now. Just leave it, and you know uh, at a later date if you want to comment on it. Yeah. Okay, but not right now. I was just like, I mean, would that have happened with the Steelers or the Patriots or the Bucks? Probably not. Like, we don't want to be. Like just run your football team like a a good football team. Yeah, and you know uh, that that's a uh, to me that's a, a really good uh, shout out to uh, Tomlin is uh, simply because he does seem to run uh, pretty much a a fairly tight ship when it comes to when it comes to social media addressing the press. Um, his, his players don't seem to be at the uh, at the at the top of the buzz list. Uh, you know, certainly compared to the certainly compared to the Bears, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that was uh, you know, that was through OTAs. Um, one of the things that I thought that was interesting that happened last week was, you know, there there was uh, some buzz on on uh, Twitter uh, about uh, how the uh, work ethic uh, is is a that has become that's coming out of the Bears organization a lot about Justin Fields about how hard he works uh, and um, how about how hard he's been working with um, with Darnell Mooney uh, you know all off season they've been working together uh, Komet too and you know so there's been a lot of talk about this and you know of course the team is doing their best to make it all look like rainbows and flowers. And uh, you know, I, I read uh, I read a post that 
Well, you know, while I while I think he meant well, um, I, I I felt like it had a lot of negative connotation when he was talking about, you know, it, 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 I don't want to I don't want to hear that rhetoric, right? Uh, how hard the player works, all the players work hard. So, you know, if if that's applicable, then all players should be good, or the vice versa, right? All players work hard. And, you know, it's there's no guarantee from working hard that they're going to be a good player. You can't talk in uh, general blanket statements like that because it doesn't work. Because it, even when you look at Chicago in itself, they have two of the most famous Hall of Famers who are known for their work ethic. Walter Payton and Michael Jordan are both uh, monumentally famous for the workouts that they had. Well, it, it strikes me as kind of an obvious point. If Justin Fields ends up not being good, then obviously nobody's going to care how much he works and how much time he spends at the football offices because we saw it with Mitch. Everybody raved about how good and strong Mitch Trubisky's work ethic is, and he obviously... Teammate, too. Yeah, teammates, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, everybody talked about how hard Mitch Trubisky worked, and it never mattered because he wasn't able to take that next step as an NFL quarterback. So his ball his his ball downfield was not accurate. Yes. His decision his decision making and progressions uh, from the line weren't very good. That you know has nothing to do with how hard he works. Yeah, and he's gone now. And I think the reason that it's a talking point with Fields is because there's not a ton else to talk about right now. Right. We, we all know last year wasn't good in terms of his results on the field. And I think a lot of people... Especially if you look at it statistically. No, and I think a lot of people think, and maybe to some degree are hoping, that it was all on Matt Nagy, which I think is fair, but... I certainly don't think it's 100% on Nagy, right? I mean, no. Fields certainly made his rookie mistakes, so you hope that with some new coaching that he, maybe he's learned from those experiences and can be better in year two. But I think also what that comment is getting at is it seems to be a pretty accepted belief in the NFL that Justin Fields has a ton of talent. He's incredibly athletic. Yes. He's got a great arm. He seems to have all of the physical skills that you need to he be He was successful. the 10th pick in the draft. Yeah, so if he has all the physical skills and he has all of the intangibles that you want, then logically speaking, those two things should be able to combine, and at some point he'll be that franchise quarterback that Bears fans have been dreaming of our entire lives. Right. And there's reasons why that might not happen. Injuries, poor talent around him, poor coaching. There's any number of things that could cause him to be unsuccessful, but if he has the talent and he's putting in the work, then the to me the hope would be that if he doesn't realize his potential, that it's not necessarily because... I guess maybe said a different way. You don't want the reason why he doesn't realize his potential to be poor work ethic. Right. And I, and I think that's really what they were getting at um, was, you know, we need the player to be able to do more than just show his work ethic. And, you know, I get that. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel like it's necessary to look at it like it's an excuse we're all looking at the same guy. We saw some brilliance 
point-blank brilliance out of him last year. We also saw a lot of bad mistakes. Yeah, not enough brilliance. Yeah, but. a lot. Of, and, and it's like you said, no, it wasn't all on Nagy. Uh, no, it wasn't all on the talent around him. Some of it was point blank him, and and we don't. But the thing is, is that we don't know what those proportions are right now. Uh, how much of it was his uh, not grasping the offense, a new offense, mind you, uh, not grasping the offense uh, versus um, his innate abilities, right? Uh, you know, he he definitely held the ball too long. That that's not a question. It's a fact. We all saw it. We, we, uh, tons of us were screaming at the television, get rid of the freaking ball, yeah. right? But, and how much of that was him being a rookie? How much of that was the scheme? How much of that was the receivers not being open? They're all a factor. It's, and it's also like, I think it's also just the off season, right? Like, right. there's nothing to evaluate right now. <laughs> Trust me. Once the season... It's the desert. Once once the season starts, you're going to have no shortage of Bears fans and Bears analysts breaking down every single throw (laughs) that Fields makes because... Just look at the roster. There's not going to. Did gonna... you see the way he tied his cleats when yeah. he was on the sideline? I mean, there's not going to be anything else to watch with this team, really. I mean, <laughs> I don't think they're going to win very many games. So all of the focus is going to be on is Justin Fields developing the way we want him to, and none of that analysis will involve anything to do with how many hours he's spending at the office. <laughs> That's right. It, it's That's right. all going to be about the results on the field, and if he's great and the Bears suck, then I think Bears fans are going to be really excited. If he sucks, I think that the Bears are probably going to win only a couple games, and people are probably going to be talking about drafting a quarterback next year, and... If it's somewhere yep. in between, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But I think right now, just you're getting a lot of people that want to be positive about his potential, and so his intangibles are one thing that people are just talking about. I don't really think you need to read too much into it one exactly. way or the other. And, you know, just personally, and I think this probably uh, reflects your attitude too, is that, you know, we understand that a lot of this, you could look at it very negatively, right? But... We're just trying to maintain a positive attitude about it because there's really, there's just that or just being, or poo-pooing everything. Yeah, like, if you're just going to be negative about the Bears just because, then <laughs> find, find something else to do with your time. Exactly, <laughs> because there's plenty of stuff to be negative about them entirely on their own. Yeah, there's, trust me, there's no shortage of things in this world that you can be negative about if you want to, and... It certainly doesn't mean that you have to look at everything with the orange and blue glasses that you talk about. Yeah, that's when, right. when they're bad, then talk about why they're bad. But just we'll like, have it right here. Yeah, being being negative for the sake of being negative. <laughs> it's like it, sports are supposed to be fun, and so let it be fun. Don't be like the Vikings fans that I always complain that's about, right. which are like. Oh, well, we're going to lose anyway in the end. <laughs> Minnesota sports, you know, it's just... Nobody likes talking to someone that's walking around with a rain cloud. Shut up, Eeyore! Yeah, exactly. You know, like, enjoy your team. And are they going to let you down in the end? Probably. You know why? Because <laughs> it's really freaking hard to win a Super Bowl. There's 32 teams and only one of them can do it every year. So, obviously, you're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. And 
most years you're not going to win the Super Bowl. But well, right now I'm excited. And if you're not having fun with it, go do something else. Exactly. Just, I'm excited. Uh, Jim is excited. I mean, I, I think out of uh, one thing I'm still focused on is just the fact that for once we're going into the season with uh, with no question mark as to who is the who has to step up, who is the leader, who's running this team. We know who our main guy is, and that just that in itself doesn't happen for Chicago fans very often. So I think it's one thing to at least uh, you know have a have a star in heaven to look at. Yeah, and I think DeBear's blog made a really good point that I really liked. He basically said that Ryan Poles took over a quarterback that he loves with a roster that he hates. Yeah. So you're you're seeing that. You're seeing Ryan Poles try to work through those two conflicting ideas because a lot of times when you have a really bad team, it's because the quarterback is bad. And hopefully that's not the case here. Hopefully it's a really bad team with a really good quarterback because that's a much easier problem to fix. If you found the quarterback, then you can make anything else work. Look around the NFL and you see that over and over again. You're going to see it this year with the Packers who have... A terrible set of wide receivers, but I bet they're still going to be pretty darn good as long as Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt. Yeah, not not a single defensive coordinator in the NFL is looking at any game against Aaron Rodgers and going, oh, they don't have good receivers. We'll take care of him easily. That guy makes them good, and it's a rare trait, and he has it. Absolutely. So, you know, every single time... Uh, anybody's going up against Green Bay, that all they're going to be looking at is number 12 and what he is going to do to damage him. So, it, it, and, you know, that goes that goes pretty good for the other number 12, right? The other famous number 12, Mr. Brady, who decided that he wanted to come back. Any, any team that goes up against that guy is not going to be wondering exactly who he has on the field to throw the ball to. Just where he is throwing the ball, that's what they're going to be thinking about. Absolutely. So... I think those are some of the stories that we had, you know, noticed over the last couple of weeks. I think right now it's just kind of that countdown to training camp, and we've got a few weeks until that happens. Then we're going to have plenty of bears to talk about, good, bad, and ugly. Exactly, probably mostly bad. But. Before before we go, I have a, a challenge for fans. Um, I think it's interesting when you look around. Uh, the NFL, or sports in general for that matter, and look at some people's names. There's always some really interesting names. Okay. And, and, and the Bears uh, definitely has their have their share. So I thought it'd be funny if, uh, if we uh, had you guys... Uh, you know, tweet out some of the <laughs> some of the more strange names that you, that you see around the league. I think uh, my my vote goes for Bo Pete Keys. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> B O P E T E. That's a Bo Pete Keys. Yeah, he is a bear. He is a cornerback uh, for the Bears. I've never heard of him, and I'm wondering if he's heard of him. But uh, you know, uh, I think anyway, just uh, some some. Uh, I don't know, some inane fun, so. Yeah, there you go. He looks like Bo Pete Keys. Looks like he's played for the Chiefs, the Colts, the Patriots, and now the Bears. So How about that? Maybe so. <laughs> maybe we'll see him on the roster. It's a name to watch during training camp. That, that's right. I'm going to be making sure to watch for, for Bo Pete. Anyway, that's enough for today. Uh, I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, Bear Down.